Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, dear friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. So glad that you've come to continue this incredible study on the names of God. We have been thoroughly enjoying it. We began with Elohim, and then we uh, last week did yod Hey vav Hey. As a Jewish person, it's still hard for me to just say Jehovah. It's just, I don't know how they got the vowels is how, what I don't know. And so uh, yod Hey vav Hey. And that was the uh, encounter that Moses had at the burning bush. And God actually told Moses his name. Moses asked and God said, uh, he said, who shall I say is sending me? And it reminds me of Isaiah in chapter 6. Um, who's sending me? And, you know, if you're going out for the Lord, you better know who's sending you because if, it's probably going to be difficult. So you, you need to lean on him. And so God said, I am who I am. And that is from the verb hayah, to be, and that is where we get the name Jehovah. God is, he is eternal. And it implies really that he's sovereign. It implies that he is all powerful. And he demonstrated that power in the plagues. And uh, Moses uh, had a, a better understanding of who God was than almost anyone because he went into the tent of meeting and he came out glowing. Don't you wonder what made him glow? (laughs) And he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. What did he discover about God's nature? And so Moses was a friend of God. Moses knew God. And uh, the beginning of his story was uh, the burning bush where he found out that the God that was calling him to lead the Jewish people out of slavery was the one who was called I am. And so with me to explore uh, these names is Bobby Walter, leads the region of uh, Chosen People Ministries in the heartland of Jewish America, New York City. And uh, his home is in Brooklyn, uh, that old Dutch village that has very few Dutch people, but a lot of Jewish people. So welcome, Bobby. That's right. Thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you. And uh, as always, shalom to our listeners. Uh, we are grateful that you're tuning in. And uh, yeah, Mitch, I just, I'm looking forward to picking up where we left off last week. You know, last week we, we talked about, we kind of hinted a little bit about where we're going this week. But we talked about the nature of God and, and that very foundational name that he gave to Moses in the burning bush. Uh, that just points to his existence, to, that he is eternal, that he has no beginning, no end, that he just is. And this week, we're going to take it a step further and build on that foundation and see how God builds on that foundation and in how he reveals himself even more in the scripture through what are called these compound names of God, where we have many examples throughout the text where you, you'll find Jehovah, right, that yod heh vav that that name of God that reveals his eternal nature. He, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he was, he is, and he always will be. But then there's some other attribute that's added on top of it. And uh, one of them that we come across 
It's uh, in the English, it's usually translated or transliterated Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. So it begins with that foundation of, of that God who is, right? And then it talks about this attribute where he is a, a, a God who provides, who meets our needs. And Mitch, I know you wanted to talk about this one because there's I a, do. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such an important section of the book of Genesis where we see God presented to us in this way. And we read this passage every Rosh Hashanah, every New Year, Jewish New Year. We read Genesis 22. It's called the Akedah or the binding. And it refers to the binding of Isaac. And there are just tons of lessons to learn here. But one of the most important lessons is learning about the nature of God. You know, one of the ways I look at the names of God is they are windows through which we can see his actual person and character. The names reveal the person. You know, sometimes when I'm in a church where there is stained glass or a synagogue where there is stained glass, I think of the beauty of the stained glass and how it gives you a, a, a different view uh, of the outside. You have to look at it through the uh, beauty of the stained glass, and, and I, I really enjoy that. And so the names of God for me are sort of like stained glass. Hmm. You don't get a, a crystal clear view uh, because the nature of God's complex, uh, but you get a, a view of his beauty, his magnificence, and of his glory. And Adonai Yireh is certainly one of my favorite names for God. You know the story, don't you? In Genesis 22, if you have your Bible, you might want to open it up. I don't know if you're sitting at your kitchen table. If you're in a car, please don't. But, uh, you know, you can just take a look at the passage. And it's interesting how uh, this is sort of related to Exodus 3 in verse 1, only in a different sort of way. I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, Bobby, but it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said what God had said, <laughs> only with different words. It's the same in English, but it's, it's, it's different. Uh, Abraham said, here I am, here I am. But that's the Hebrew word hineni, which means I'm available. God said, I am, meaning I am. Abraham said, I am, which means I'm available to the one who is the great I am, right? That shows I know contemporary Christian music, by the way. That's right. Impressed, <laughs> impressed with that, Bobby. Okay. And so then God called uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son. So Abraham rose early in the morning, verse 3, and went up the mountain. And uh, I love what he said in verse 5 to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go over there and we'll worship and return to you. I don't know if Abraham was lying through his teeth, but uh, maybe, maybe according to the book of Hebrews, Abraham believed that Isaac would be raised from the dead. And so yeah. he, he may yeah, have very resurrection well... Resurrection faith. He may have well had resurrection faith in, the, in these early days. And so the, he took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac's back. And I love Isaac's question in, in verse 7. My father, he said, here I am, my son. There's another Hineni on the part of Abraham. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? It's very, very important. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And... Uh, Abraham says it really, really wonderfully. He said, God will, God will provide. That's mm. the Hebrew word for provide. 
God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And that's where we understand that this is the God who provides. So Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, bound Isaac, laid him on the altar. Isaac, according to the rabbis, could have been uh, from either a late teen to his early 30s, but he certainly was a strapping young man and Abraham was old. So he could have taken his father out in a wrestling match easily, but Isaac was also a submissive, uh, obedient uh, son, just like the future son of Isaac. Jesus. And so he laid him on the altar, and Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. The angel said, Avraham, Avraham, don't do that. <laughs> but of course, Abraham was always available. It's a good thing he was available and listening on this one, because God told him not to do what he told him to do, where he had already said, I'm available. So he was still available, and he, God was able to stay his hand and uh, don't do anything, for now I know you fear God since you've not withheld your son. And then the story picks up in verse 13. Abram raised his eyes, looked behind him. There was a ram caught in the thicket with nice big horns, just like the horns we blow on Rosh Hashanah, you know, the shofar. And Abram went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name, the Lord will provide, Adonai. Your heir. So what did God provide in this instance? God provided a sacrifice instead of Isaac. God provided a substitute. The ram was a substitute. When the Jewish people blow the shofar, they remind God of his ability to attribute righteousness to a Jewish person who was a sinner um, because of the righteousness of Abraham who was obedient. And uh, so God provides a sacrifice. God provides a sacrifice for us. He provided Jesus the Messiah to die for our sins. We didn't deserve it, but he did it anyway because he loves us. It's the very image and picture of grace. God gives us exactly what we do not deserve and what we cannot possibly earn. And so God is a provider. He is a provider of an atoning sacrifice. This is what this sacrifice pointed to. In fact, the sacrifice was made on Mount Moriah where eventually the temple would be built and where Jesus would die on the cross. Right. So there's just tremendous symbolism uh, here in this passage. But the most important point to remember is that God provides, and listen, brothers and sisters, the God who provided his son as a sacrifice for your salvation is the same God who provides for all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus said it over and over and over again, that God will provide. Sometimes he provides for us by shrinking our wants. <laughs> Sometimes he provides by giving in abundance. But God always provides. He never fails. It is God's nature to be a provider. He is the all-powerful, eternal one who provides for his children. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are his child. And God, by nature, will provide for all your needs, no matter what they are. Paul knew it, Jesus knew it, Moses knew it, and hopefully we know it. You know, Mitch, that's, it's really powerful how we can glean so much truth, so much encouragement about what Messiah Jesus has done for us just by looking at this story and seeing this name of God. 
And it reminds me of another one of these compound names of God that we have in the Old Testament. And it's found in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6. Uh, it's Adonai Tzidkenu, or Jehovah Tzidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. And when we look at that passage, really, Mitch, it's, it's totally in line with what you just shared about the Lord providing and what, what is revealed in Genesis 22. This is what it says in Jeremiah 23, okay? Uh, I'll begin reading in verse 5. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. So this is, it's a messianic prophecy. It's looking ahead. It's talking about the Messiah, this descendant of David who would be a righteous branch, right? We keep reading. And he, the righteous branch, will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. And what I love about this, what I love about this name of God and, and this prophecy here, talking about the Messiah and what he would accomplish, uh, in the end, his suffering, the salvation that he brings, leads to our righteousness. The Lord, our righteousness. And, and when we look at what Yeshua has done for us, what Jesus did for us on that tree, on that cross, he died uh, taking our place as a sacrifice. Uh, he, like Paul puts in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen and amen. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. And, um, you know, when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, in John 8.58, um, it means that he is God the provider in the ultimate sense because God the Father has provided God the Son to be the Savior of the world and to make us clean with, by forgiving us through his shed blood. But he also makes us righteous. It's not a righteousness we can own through our good deeds. In fact, we never get good enough to be righteous. But he changes our nature, doesn't he? We're born again by the Spirit of God. We are now capable of walking in a more righteous way uh, because the righteous one died for our sins and filled us with his Spirit. I hope that you're having a great day, brothers and sisters, and that the Lord, our righteousness, will be your ever-present uh, friend and companion because he loves you, he cares for you, he's accessible, he's not far away, he lives in your heart. And I trust that this message, uh, with something you can even pass on to your friends, particularly your Jewish friends, a lot of your Jewish friends right now are thinking about redemption, they're thinking about Passover, they're thinking about um, atoning blood in a way that they never think about uh, during the course of the year. So hopefully you can tell your Jewish friends the story of the Lord, our righteousness. Right now, we're going to hear from Dave Brodsky, a Jewish man who grew up in a highly educated home. And Dave saw the Christian claims about Jesus as nothing more than what he had read in his mythology books, until Jesus revealed himself in a supernatural way. To be or not to be, that is the question. 
that's really a question of should I live or should I die? I just realized that life hurt. And the more that life hurt, the more I thought, there is something that can stop this pain, and that is death. My dad is a professor of physics at Stanford University, so education was so important to our family. And as a result, I grew up reading all the time. One of the things I loved to read was Greek mythology. And you know, if you read enough of this Greek mythology, you see that it's these gods like Zeus who see these earth women that they're attracted to and they have children with them. All the great heroes of Greek mythology, Hercules and Perseus and Theseus, they're all these half man, half gods. You know, honestly, that's kind of the way Jesus came across to me. There's this God and he finds this, this Mary and it's, uh, they have a child and it's Jesus, the son of God. I mean, it just came across as very not monotheistic and not Jewish at all. My grandfather exchanged letters with his family in Austria back and forth until one day the letters stopped. And it was at that point that he knew that his family had been interned in concentration camps and that he would never see them again. Because of that experience, it was so important for me and for all my family to understand who we were as Jewish people. I grew up in the synagogue. I studied to read the Torah and I ended up reading every week after my bar mitzvah. It influenced everything about how I grew up. My bubby, my grandmother, she was an amazing loving woman and you just knew her love when you were around her and everybody loved her too. And one day when I was 10, she was hit by a car and killed. And it was as if life stopped. We didn't know what made sense anymore. We didn't know what was supposed to happen in the world because she was dead and, and we buried her and she went ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and I thought, the worms get her now? Is there anything else? What else is there? It was so overwhelming, and it just took me to a very dark place, and I felt so empty. I began to get really depressed, and I began to spiral down further and further. Over time, during that struggle, it just got harder and harder for me to go on living. And one night I went for a walk and I decided when I get home, I'm gonna end my life. I don't wanna fight this pain anymore. I was on my way home, almost to my house, when I saw a friend of mine had parked her car across the street. And as I got to my driveway, I realized it was my friend Kim. Out of the blue, she was at my house waiting for me. I had no idea why. And as she greeted me, I said, it's really not hello, it's goodbye. And she asked me what I meant, and I said, because Kim, I'm, I'm tired of this pain, I'm gonna end my life. Well, Kim asked me if she could share with me about what she believed about Jesus. And I thought, oh, here it comes. But you know, honestly, it seemed really rude to tell her that I'd rather kill myself than hear what she believed. And I wasn't that kind of person, so I said, okay, Kim, tell me. Well, as Kim began to share with me, I was riveted. She was talking about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
And I was astounded and amazed. And the more she spoke, it was like fireworks were going off in my mind, answering all these questions I didn't even know I had. We talked for hours and hours about redemption and purpose and meaning and God. I don't even remember everything we talked about, but it was mind-blowing. It got so late and I was so tired that even though I was amazed by everything we were talking about, I just needed a break. So I said, Kim, look, I, I can't think anymore, but I promise you, I won't kill myself before we talk again. I need to go to bed. The next two days, all these thoughts kept going through my mind again and again. Is this about Jesus true? Is it not true? Is this worth living for? Is the pain too great? Should I die? And all of a sudden, I'm caught off guard. It's like this smoke is pouring in underneath my door. It was like a cloud. It was ob obscure. I couldn't see, but it was coming and closing in on me. And it was like an aura around me that was shrinking. And it was getting smaller and smaller. And I realized that it was simply evil. And I called out in that moment to Jesus, save me. And suddenly the cloud receded and it just backed away as the same way it came, funneled out, went under the door and was gone. And all that I was left with was peace and the light in the room. Everything in my life changed from that point forward. Shortly after that, I borrowed Kim's Bible because I'd never seen a New Testament before. I guess I thought it was gonna be something weird like out of the Greek mythology that I'd been reading, but actually it seemed just like the Bible I knew. It was Yeshua. He was talking to all the people right there in Israel, his Jewish brothers and sisters, and he was teaching them from the Torah. And I didn't want to kill myself anymore because I had an answer to the pain. And I was able to keep moving forward as I sorted my life out and found meaning and purpose with Jesus. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we want you to know that your faithful partnership with this ministry is enabling us to introduce Jewish people to the Messiah each and every day. And you can help us continue to build on our 129 years of faithful service by letting us know that you're praying for this ministry. To connect online, just go to chosenpeople.com radio. And while you're there, be sure to request your free gift. Well, Bobby, if any of our listeners are a bit confused or are trying to understand what's happening in Israel today, I don't blame them because I don't blame you, dear friend, because I'm trying to figure it out as well. And I, I'm there almost every month and it's really difficult to figure out exactly what's happening. But one thing I know for sure, that whatever is happening is in one way or another, the fulfillment of prophecy. And so you want to get Harold Sevener's book, Israel's Glorious Future. This short but concise guide will help walk you through Israel's history, beginning with God's covenant with Abraham, all the way to the new heavens and new earth that's found in the book of Revelation. It's a must-have reading guide for anyone who has a heart for the Jewish people. So request your free copy today at chosenpeople.com radio. We really want you to have this book. Go to chosenpeople.com slash radio and order your free copy.
You can also ask for Harold Sevner's book, Israel's Glorious Future, by calling us at 888-2-YESHUA. That's the Hebrew name for Jesus. Once again, that number is 888-293-7482. And now, let's wrap up today's program with the ironic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.